Welcome, welcome everyone to the Mindful Conversations Matter podcast. If you don't already know who we are, my name is Tina Onkasawan, the moderator of the podcast and a language acquisition teacher on special assignment for the Val Verde Unified School District. Also with us is the hostess with the mostest, Adriana Vasquez, coordinator of language assessment and the language acquisition team here at Val Verde Unified School District. The purpose of this podcast is to create a safe space to reflect in open and brave conversations, a space to listen to multiple perspectives about a variety of topics that we are faced with on a daily basis. And thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of our Mindful Conversations Matter podcast. We are joined here by a beautiful, beautiful guest, a beautiful soul. Adriana, would you like to introduce her? Yes, today we have our amazing Elizabeth Jimenez here with us, also known as our beautiful Liz. Thank you so much, Liz, for joining us here. She is a PBIS teacher currently here in Valverde at Avalon Elementary School, and she has also been a classroom teacher, and I'm sure she'll share with us a little bit more. Thank you, Liz, for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited, happy to be here, and, you know, just wanting to have this conversation. Yes, thank you. Okay, let's begin by asking you, how are you feeling today? Very energized. I'm feeling just really ecstatic to be here and be able to share this space with you. Thank you. Thank you. And what about um, just the energy level? We're like three-fourths of the way um, to the home stretch of the end of the year. How is that feeling for you, Liz? It's feeling really good. I feel like we've done so many great things and it's giving us so much insight on where to move forward, how to wrap up the year in the best way possible and kick off next year even stronger. Mm -hmm. So you feel that this transition back after a year and a half of online learning, do you feel that we're um, slowly but surely getting back into routines with our students or do you feel like we still have a lot more to work on? (laughs) I feel like in some areas we are making a lot of progress, but I feel like there are opportunities. And I think part of it is we forgot too, as teachers, how to be teachers in a classroom instead of distance learning. Like I caught myself doing things like where I would be mumbling to myself where I was like, okay, normally I would have been muted. (laughs) (laughs) Or those moments you're like, okay, let me share my screen. Yes. <laughs> All right, just give me a moment. Everybody make sure you're muted. <laughs> oh, yes. And then you can't do that right now. You, you can't. can't. <laughs> you can't click mute. Mute, mute all. <laughs> That's so true. Well, just uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of our conversation today, which will be about uh, our community and really, really reflecting on all of the positive things around our community and things that could change for better, Um, Just please share with us a little bit about who you are. Who is Liz Jimenez? How far back should I go? (laughs) Oh, girl, go far. Well, you know, I I think first and foremost, I am a parent in the district. I have a junior in high school and a seventh grader in middle school. But I also think that I am a multidimensional person involved in the district because I've worked for a nonprofit before. I worked for CABE. I've worked here as a teacher, but initially my contact with Valverde was as a parent volunteer. Mm-hmm. I was on school site council, PTO, DLAC, ELAC, any committee, any invitation that was sent out, I was there. Mm. And that was how I became involved. And I think that really stems from 
growing up in Paramount, which is a very, very poor area. And I remember seeing the parents of those students who were very engaged. And I always felt like those students got special treatment. My mom didn't speak English, so she tried her best, but she wasn't there all the time. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that my involvement with education at any level included bringing those parents in that don't always have the resources, being kind of that liaison and creating connections for people to like get together. Yeah, mm -hmm. so important. So you are a parent and uh, you've been a community member and what else, girlfriend? What are your interests, your talents? Um, music, art. So, you know, with the VAPA program that we have is amazing. Mm -hmm. So there are two, any opportunity um, on there. I serve on the city's planning commission. So I kind of am the voice for our community at a city level, which has been a very eye-opening and rewarding opportunity. Mm. So that's very cool. And what about your teaching experience? So I did, in Pomona, it was a seventh grade, it was like an algebra program, where it was a summer um, program, and then after school, once school started, and that was with seventh graders, which was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Then I came to Valverde, and I've done kinder, first, third, and fourth mm -hmm. with our district. That's awesome. So you've been teaching for just about, maybe just the range of years that you've been teaching here? This is my fifth year. Okay. <laughs> it, it feels like forever. You've yes. done a lot in five years. Yes. yes. <laughs> you, you definitely are a pro. You're a mm -hmm. veteran teacher on anybody's books. So Thank you. Five years you've done what a teacher, a regular teacher probably does in 10, 15 <laughs> years, right? Um, okay, girlfriend. So I can't help but just uh, remember to the, when I think of you, I think of tech. I think of VAPA, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think of you as just an, an innovator. And so if you can share with us a little bit about that, like what, what are some of the, the passion projects that you've done as, as a teacher here in Valverde that, you know, speak to those three pieces, tech, uh, true love for VAPA, and then innovation? I think... One of the, my biggest highlights was during distance learning, we had a VAPA competition. And in my head, and I think most people's heads are like, well, how do I integrate something that is normally a hands-on activity? So you're creating something with ceramics, you're painting, you're coloring. How do I take that, take it to the next level and let students speak through the computer? Mm. So we work with a lot of programs. We use Pear Deck, we use Kahoot, we used any program that was out there we created. But I had um, every grade level was given three awards across the district. And for the in third grade, out of the three students, two of them were mine. Mm. So one of them was a student who created a mermaid and she used Play-Doh and she painted it. Another student was very passionate about trains, and he knew anything and everything that you could ever imagine about trains and their engines, how far they go, how fast they go, why they were created, when they were created. And he created, I want to say he took at least 10 hours creating the most integrative, innovative, and realistic um, version of a train that he could come up with in the third grade. And it was just inspiring. And I really think, you know, even thinking about when we think about our cell phones, like you think about your home screen, mm -hmm. 
on your computer, you think about your home screen. Like those are things that personify you, that identify who you are, give insight into who you are. So I think just using those to just be innovative and always keep your passions there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that is a beautiful intersection of innovation, tech, and and the love for visual and performing arts all together. That's so phenomenal. And in and, and the fact that you're able to tap into the students' interests, too. That's, that's what's wonderful. Now, let me ask you, a little birdie mentioned <laughs> that you taught yourself how to fly. Uh, maybe an airplane. Uh, I don't know. Yes? Well, my brother and my sister both have their pilot licenses. Okay, tell and us. And, of course, I wasn't going to be left out, so I didn't pay for the program, but I was reading their books and asking them questions. So I know how to fly. I'm the only one out of the three of us that doesn't have our pilot license. But, and you know, I I think for my family, that was just so amazing that here we were, these poor, poor kids from Paramount, and two of them can fly a plane. (laughs) One of us, and then the third one unofficially. Yeah. (laughs) So you've actually, like, flown. You just don't have your license yet. Yes. Oh, wow. We're going to say Dot, dot, dot. Yes. So (laughs) let's work on that, girlfriend. That's Field trip. (laughs) Very fascinating. And um, how do your kids see you, girlfriend? When when they see the beautiful, amazing, just powerhouse of a person that you are, are your kids in an age where they can actually acknowledge the the amazing person that you are? Or not yet? I don't know that they do. I think to them, I'm just mom who goes to Disneyland, concerts, has fun. Like any concert that pops up, we we go together as a family. I take the girls, Disneyland trips on the drop of a dime, road trips. So I think to them, I'm more of just mom at this point. I think Rosario, my 16-year-old, is beginning to kind of recognize a little bit of what I do. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she's at a point where she really... It's like, wow, no. my mom is amazing. <laughs> she doesn't. She's still like, mom, stay home. I don't care that you have blue hair and you think you're cool. You're so embarrassing. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, because I'm just saying, because if my mom knew how to fly an airplane, <laughs> yeah, that's I'd be showing it off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's where that question was stemming from. Well, let's shift our conversation a little bit towards our community. And when we refer to community, it could be any community. So it could be our uh, educational community here in Valverde or even the educational community, you know, at a broader spectrum or even here where we live or the state, the country, society. Take it anywhere, girlfriend. Okay. So what is something you appreciate about our community? You know, this one really brings me back to our community as a district from when I joined as a parent, and we had those strong DLAC meetings. That's mm-hmm. when we first brought the CABE professional development, all the family engagement things that are promoted, sent out, and a part that is such an enriching and rewarding part of our district that other districts don't have. So when I think about our community, I really feel like we're all interconnected. They're All stakeholders have equal voice. Everybody's heard. And we take feedback very seriously, even at our side, when we're talking to parents about what they would like to see. Even for PBIS, I mean, I could have an idea of how we want to redo recess, and I could have the best ideas in the world, but the kids may not like it. So because it's not for me, I really think our district 
is very open to community feedback at all levels. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely something that I I agree with a hundred percent. We take the time, even Tina and I, who do a lot of professional development, to read every single comment and make sure that we're tailoring what we do in in future PD opportunities to make sure that that we're hitting the target for our community, right? And all our community, I attend every single one of your sessions that you hold, (laughs) the book studies, the um, guest speakers, all that gives us such an insight, especially in this day where I feel like a lot of students who were not seen in the past are coming to the forefront and saying, here I am, Mm -hmm. look at me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I think back to myself, I was, you know, I didn't speak English when I started kindergarten and I remember going to kindergarten and not speaking any English. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think nowadays it would have been different where instead of seeing like not knowing English was a deficit, it would be like, oh my gosh, how cool, you already speak one language, now we're gonna add another. So that mindset is shifting yes. to really seeing and, and valuing every single student as they come. Yes. Not that we're wanting to change the people that they are, right? Mm-hmm. And so may, maybe that's a great uh, segue to our next uh, conversation here, which is what would be something in our community that you think should change? Hmm. That's a really, really good question. I think something that could change is creating more opportunities for even deeper collaboration. I know we do a lot of these book studies with, you know, up to now it's just been um, teachers and staff, but maybe having one, now that we're able to be back in person, having one where it's parents, maybe some students and teacher staff, like all of us together having a conversation so we hear it from everybody you know everybody has different experiences people come from different places and I think that would be like so rewarding to be able to hear it because you know as staff we try to do the best we can what we have or we are we try to make connections with our students and our parent community the other staff members but if we heard it from the district as a whole and that we're all experiencing the same things I think that would open so many more doors mm, love. You know what? It reminds me of Allison and um, the work that she's doing with VAPA and the fact that she had students in the same room where she had the assistant superintendent and the board member and teachers and community members. It was phenomenal. I have never seen that kind of conversation together, right? And that's that's kind of what you're referring to, right? Right. And and that was beautiful. I was there and I was just like in awe for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there and I was like, oh my Me gosh. Too. And then it was funny because as moms, like we would say, yeah, that's what my kid is feeling. That's what my child has expressed. So it's not just them because, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, oh, they're having a bad day. Yeah. But to hear three strong leaders, student leaders also voice the same thing, I'm thinking, it is an issue. Mm-hmm. It isn't just my kid. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, and more than anything is like just having the same voice and the yes. fact that they were so brave to mm-hmm. speak up. It was just like my heart was so happy. Every, the entire day was just phenomenal to see. It was a sight to see, right? Right. And it was mm-hmm. amazing people there because the staff gave them their place. Like when one of the young ladies raised her hand, the rest of us Mm-hmm. And, and where they were treated as equals, they were treated as their opinions were as valued as 
the assistant superintendent. As mm -hmm. the county people with art, they were part of the conversation. They weren't there just to check off a box saying we're here. Mm -hmm. They were integral parts of the conversation. They wow. were. And so that, what you're talking about, the change that we need or something that we can add to the dynamics of our community, the beautiful thing is that we've already seen a great example of it. Yes. And so we can follow it. And I definitely, like, I will find personally, I will find ways um, to make that happen for sure. All right. So now let's go back into like a more positive um, experience here. What if, what if anything um, that really stands out? Because I know you've shared a lot of wonderful things that you appreciate about our community, but maybe like a specific instance that you really felt proud and felt like a really positive outcome in our community, either outcome or experience that you've had in our community. I think when we first had the project to inspire from Cabe come in. I remember getting the call from Dr. Carla de la Torre, and I said, yeah, of course I'll go. And then when I came in, because I already had a background in education and I was looking through the curriculum, I felt like I knew what was going to come up and the conversations we were going to have and the trainings we were going to have. But what I found was I think my parents' voice through a lot of the other parents that were there because they had they were immigrants where I was born and raised here the you know my colleagues and now I call them amazing amigas we've been friends for all these years we still hang out together but I heard the experience of the immigrant I heard why my dad wouldn't let me do certain things growing up I couldn't cut my hair like all my other friends I couldn't go out there we were very strict and I couldn't understand why there were so many things that I questioned that I didn't appreciate growing up But when we were having those conversations and we were talking about the experiences, I gave validity to my parents' experience, their voices, and I understood. I found a way to not even forgive, but really understand and say, I oh. get you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Girlfriend, unpack that a little bit more. Like, okay, not cutting your hair <laughs> like what does that mean because <laughs> i i am an immigrant myself but i have not heard that the cutting the hair i actually always had super short hair so i guess in the part of my dad growing up his sisters always had very short hair because they, they really were poor like they didn't have food to eat my grandma was doing laundry for other people torteando making tortillas to sell mm. so my aunts always had to have like super super buzz cut short hair because of head lice mm. so You know, if you saw the poor little girls in El Pueblo that were running around with super short hair, it was because they had head lice, and they really didn't have a way to treat it, get rid of it. So having long hair meant that you were, I don't know, not, not had head lice. Had, mm -hmm. Okay, that was Different that sent status. a message. Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it was just my dad's experience, but he remembers that, and he remembers his mom who had, like, hair, like, all the way down to her waist. One time she had to, like almost shave it off because the daughters gave her head lice because they were so poor and they were all sharing a bed. Mm. And for him, that was very impactful. So I wasn't allowed to cut my hair. Oh, okay. That's broad in perspective, but it makes sense. And mm -hmm. I can see that. Can you think of any other things that, that now you understand after having heard the perspective of our, of our immigrant families that you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Any other things, girlfriend? It was not... At home, we only spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even now, like he, my dad fully understands English. He's fluent now. He got here when he was 17. But 
but he would always say at home we speak Spanish and I never understood why I was like why you understand me mm-hmm. if I speak English you understand mm-hmm. but he would always say you know school is English and la casa español and home we speak Spanish and I never really understood why and I would ask him why he would be like because that's what we do mm-hmm. who's we like I never had a say mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you know and then I think back now and I appreciate that so much because I was able to hear my grandmother's stories my the stories from my great aunts and really connect to them because I understood the language I wasn't trying to sit there and trying to make out what the words were I was understanding the meaning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes and and that's such a, a different experience that we've heard from other people that they it was the opposite right. where their family members their parents were not allowing them to speak you know, Spanish or any other language. It was just English. You know, it was that full immersion in English. And that's all, that was the goal. And unfortunately, we see that. Although, you know, it is 2022, we still see a little bit of that, you know, doing the dual immersion program, leading the dual immersion program. We see a lot of parents that are hesitant with them, you know, with their students learning two languages because, they're afraid that they'll they're not going to learn English fully or something like that, you know. So, and yeah, yeah. and and my dad grew up in um, or when he came, he was in Compton, and he said he remember going to school and all his friends lost their Spanish because they weren't allowed to. But my dad was always very strong, a little bit of a rebel, and he was challenging things like, "Tell me why I need to forget my language. Mm. What benefit yeah. does that provide me?" Mm-hmm. So I think his mindset, I think back to my uncles and everybody else, I think my experience was a little bit different because my dad challenged the, you're not the boss of me. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me why I want to have this conversation. Tell me what the benefits are, and then I'll make my own decision. Mm -hmm. And he just was never satisfied with the answers he was given. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's beautiful, and it served as well. I I had a very similar experience as you at home. We never spoke English, and we still don't. If my brother and I want to speak English, my mom will be like, stop the conversation and be like, no, I want to understand what you guys are saying. And so we have to switch over. Plus, I don't know if that's how you grew up too, but it's like not minding your manners if you're speaking English and, and where everybody else is, you know, just understand Spanish or they understand English too, but they just want a full Spanish experience. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I went to um, Mexico with a good friend when we were seniors in high school, and we were sitting in the plaza, and it was a conversation just with the two of us, and we we're sitting on this little bench, and then her mom walked by, and she heard her speaking in English, and she's the one that was like, you know, it's rude. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were like, but everybody. You know, some people understand English, and she said, but not everybody does. She's like, and if you're in an environment where you speak the predominant language, use it. She says, because then the impression is you're talking about someone, mm-hmm. you're being disrespectful, you're feeling um, higher higher than them. Mm-hmm. She says, so if you're at a place where everybody speaks Spanish, and there are some people who speak English, use Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing if you're in a place where everybody speaks English, it's rude to switch to Spanish because then impression is you don't want the rest to understand Mm -hmm. oh yes Mm -hmm. so then that's very much aligned Mm -hmm. with with what we're saying um so now we talked about uh, all the positive things what about some challenging uh experiences or even if it's just one that you've experienced here in our community so uh, i think one of the most challenging was i joined the planning commission 
originally I wanted to apply because, you know, warehouses are not good for our community. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, my youngest has an immune deficiency, so I'm very worried about her health. I'm worried about, you know, the diesel exhaust, all, everything. So I joined the planning commission thinking, oh my goodness, the minute I step in there, we're not going to have any more warehouses <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, I'm going to stand there and say no. <laughs> I'll stop them myself. <laughs> And reality is, once I got in and I got the training about zoning, airplane flight zones, this and that, I'm like, gosh, I can't. Mm. And I think that was challenging, especially because I know our community doesn't want any more warehouses. We don't need any more warehouses. But there's so many other policies and things in place that kind of tie everybody's hands. So I think for me it was... I, I joined the planning commission to serve the, the community and be the voice and say, this isn't what we want. But then once you get deeper and deeper and you're understanding and more aware. So I think that kind of shifted my perspective where instead of saying, I'm going to go stand there and make sure those bulldozers don't come on mm-hmm. to, you know, how do we relay this message? And I think that was a big wake up point for me too, because I bought our house in 2000 or we bought our house and I didn't. Not on me. (laughs) When we bought our house, you know, we were excited to buy a house. And we should have done research about zoning. I didn't even know about any of that before I bought our house. I was like, Ramona's beautiful. They're going to have all these stores. It's going to be amazing. I didn't think about zoning. I didn't think about airplane flight plans. I didn't think about anything like that. I had this whole vision of what Ramona was going to look like in my head. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out that can't ideally take place. Mm. So, Ramona, you mean like Ramona, Ramona Expressway? Expressway? Okay. S- um, yes. Like, I don't think any of us think about zoning or mm-hmm. anything. We just like the house and we just go for it, right? Mm-hmm. So, without, you know, compromising any confidential information <laughs> that you may have, like, what are the barriers, the main barriers? Like, when, when was that moment that you said, wow, this is not as easy as I thought, you know? I think it's when they were coming on and then we were looking at zoning. And, you know, you, you can't, in, in a city, you ideally could say no, but it could lead to litigation. So if something is zoned for something, they're providing a layout that is going to be perfect for that area. It's like having a, for example, you have a piece of land that is zoned for a house. And mm-hmm. this is what you can build on here. And you show up and you're like, oh, I'm going to have a KFC. Well, it's not really zoned for that. You have a beautiful plan for a KFC, but we can't build that here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and you say, um, well, I'm going to move forward with it. Then that has some consequences. But if you show up with a plan for a house and that's what it's zoned for, we really can't say no because that's what it's used for. You're providing the paperwork to say this is what you're going to build. This is what it looks like. We can tell you, no, you own the land. Appreciate you owning the land and giving us taxes. I know it's zoned for a house, but you can't build your house. Mm. That doesn't mm-hmm. really add up. So that for me was like, okay, so if I say no, I could say no all day. Mm-hmm. But there's consequences mm-hmm. to me going against legality. Mm-hmm. Got it. So so then we don't have a system where we can say that's unsafe. Like if we can't, there's nothing that protects us from weight, that there's too many warehouses. It's unsafe. So that's not a reason enough to kind of stop and think about things. What we can do 
um, so what the planning commission can do, what we can do to help kind of make sure there's a balance is, you know, we can ask the developers to um, find ways. Is there filters you can provide? Can you do more trees to kind of take that exhaust a little bit? What are ways you can mitigate some of the negative impacts? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with people. You know, there's a lot of people that work in healthcare. There's a lot of people that have kids or themselves have, you know, conditions, health conditions that it isn't safe, but we can do little things like that. And, you know, it really takes community involvement. So, you know, we're there, but if the community's showing up and saying, okay, I understand we can't have any more warehouses, but these are the things we can do to make the negative impact less. Mm. So lessons learned, girlfriend. Very much so. <laughs> yes. And, and um, okay, so you're in this planning committee, and do you see yourself being an active member, just now knowing that the process and the, the system is so, so um, complex? Yes. I see. Value. Value to being aware, knowing, you know, because I've always been very close to community, just kind of serving as that liaison. Okay, you know, at the planning commission meetings, we don't want any more warehouses. Mm -hmm. I understand where we're coming from, but this is the voice of our community. But then with the community, okay, so this is what we can and can't do. So kind of serving like that middle person Mm -hmm. has been an amazing experience. You know, there's people that don't like public speaking. I don't like it either. When I signed up, I didn't realize those were going to be on Facebook Live. (laughs) (laughs) So I show up and they're like, you're sitting there because we're going to air. And I was like, what do you mean we're going to air? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You're like, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, oh, I was like, wow. I didn't do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that's that's good. Then that's, and you're right. You know, a lot of the times we really cannot change a whole system, but we can influence parts of the system. Mm-hmm. And, and there's power in that, mm-hmm. especially when you are being the voice for a lot of our community members. So kudos to you. And also kudos to our amazing mayor here in Paris. I just drove by. I hadn't seen it, but I just drove by Paris. And there's the KFC. You mentioned KFC. And I'm thinking this um, amazing new administration, because he's been here for how long? Like two, three years? Three years, maybe? Four or five now. Oh, wow. Wow. It seems like time is flying. (laughs) Yes. But... Seems like we got two, like two of those years just flew they, by. they disappeared. Yeah, yeah. like they didn't <laughs> exist. Yes, no, but he's done so much. Yes. He's brought so much to our community: the Raws, the Ulta, the Bath and Body Works, like uh, stores and and just shopping experiences. And I think there's a gym coming, or it's already here. There's two gyms, and okay. um, next door to KFC is going to be a Little Caesars, and then behind that, it's going to be a Harbor Freight. Mm. So that old Walmart is going to eventually get hopefully completely redone and have more things for our community. That's, Finally. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I, I, I have to tell you, when I moved here, I um, 
always was wondering, like, why is there no gym? Not that I was trying to go to the gym. <laughs> you just keep on there for, you know, January 1st. So you can go yes. Yes. I'm just for thinking. a couple of weeks yes. until you let that expire. And you're like, done. <laughs> I was just trying to seek out, I mean, look out for the people who wanted to go to the gym. There's no gym, you know? Like, that was one of the first things. And I'm and just thinking that we we know that's part of you know our health that's part of our wellness and we didn't really have a lot of opportunities for our community to to move around mm -hmm. and you know just to be active yes and so um no huge kudos to to what's happening for sure and you're part of it so thank you for that mm -hmm. um what is important to our well-being in your in your opinion to our well-being when it comes to for example, safety here. And I know you talked a little bit about the health uh, consequences when it comes to having warehouses, which, yeah, this is a huge boom here mm -hmm. in this area. But um, safety in general, what what's important to you here for our community? What should we be doing to keep ourselves safe? I think uh, raising a lot of awareness. I like the transparency. You know, we look at these city, city reports of crime rates and everything at the end of the year, but just being transparent and being aware. Um, you know, I follow on social media, a lot of what's going on in the city, different venues, because that really gives us a lot of insight. I also feel, you know, going back to the gym where we didn't have one until too long ago, and now we have two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when my daughters were younger and I moved here, there isn't a lot of bike trails. There isn't a lot of opportunities for us to go out and play and have fun and be out there. And I mean, we live across the street from a beautiful, beautiful lake. And usually when I see things like that, I see a more active, booming community with people out and about walking places. You know, in Paramount, there was two little markets within walking distance. So anytime my mom needed something, we would walk. Where we live now, if I need a tomato for dinner, anything, I have to get in my car mm -hmm. and drive. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I mean, you know, it's not feasible. It's not easy. It's not healthy for our environment either if we're using our car so much and we can't go places. So I think, you know, for safety, it's just that transparency. I think it's access to things. And I think it's, you know, for safety too, I think it's a lot of the things we're doing with um, social emotional learning. I think us being aware of our own emotions and feelings and what's going on helps us stay safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And going along with that, I also remember there was a park uh, near uh, one of the schools where we worked and there and it was not safe. And even though we had parks, we just couldn't, you know, really count on on that park being there for us to be able to walk super early in the day or later at night. Yeah, it's uh, it just makes it um, hard. You know, even when we do have access, if it's not safe, then we're just back to square one, right? When it comes to us trying to to get a little bit in a, in a well-being. Now, um, how would you like to be seen by your community? And you 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 do quite a lot for a community, so this is this is a very jam-packed question. I would like to be seen as a servant to the community. Um, I, I'm here to just in awe of everything our community does. Like people do so much that goes unnoticed. I want to be seen as somebody who's here to serve anywhere that's needed. Just 
find where there are needs, pockets, being behind the scenes and making those connections. There's nothing that makes me happier than when people thrive and grow and they have these amazing um, opportunities that arise. So when I could be, you know, maybe I answered one question somewhere along the line. It was a little grain of salt that helped. It -hmm. wasn't a lot, but just helping people find their power, their strength, finding who they are within themselves is what I want to be remembered for. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, of course, hands down, you do this for students all day, every day. Do you find or do you see uh, ways outside of school uh, that you can make this kind of impact that you talk about, this kind of empowerment? I think think, you know, outside of school, I'm also involved with a statewide fellowship around um, English language learners. And part of that, what we do is doing that is how do we create systems? How do we advocate for students at a state level or national level in a way that's going to help them feel powerful and feel valued and feel like they are huge that they are the huge assets that they really are to our communities and to our state Hmm. so yes the answer is yes you do find ways in you in which you can impact and empower our community members not just in in school right yeah and a lot of those parent classes like uh, you know with this pbis position you know a lot of it has to do with working with the teachers working with the students But I think for it to go full circle, we really need to involve our community. So I know that we have been talking about doing a lot of those parent classes. You know, I love that we started the restorative practices for um, our families. And that's something that we had talked about bringing to our school. Because when the teacher is doing a restorative circle, and families don't know what that means. So somebody's going to go home and say, oh, my gosh, we did a circle today. (laughs) Well, did you draw a circle? (laughs) Did you walk around a circle? And they, you know, being part of it and modeling that and parents knowing aware, being aware, like the love and logic classes are, you know, a big part of that too, is how do we empower families to help and support and find the resources. I think, you know, a huge part, just, you know, even for me, asking for help is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I could either spend hours doing my own research and trying to figure it out, but it's so much harder to go and save myself hours, but ask someone, hey, how do I do this? Or where do I find that? I I think, you know, for a lot of us, for me as well, it's easier to spend hours researching something than just asking. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's where community comes in. That's where trust. If I ask you for something, you're not going to judge me because I'm seeking this help, but you're actually going to help me, right? And that's where this uh, um, space of community has become so important. Mm-hmm. And so in our community, Liz, how do you feel uh, heard and respected? I feel heard and respected. When we have, you know, for example, the VAPO meeting that we went to or when we're having our staff meetings, when somebody is an active listener, when somebody just says, I hear you. You don't have to agree with me, Mm -hmm. but I heard you. And I understand why. Yes. Love. Mm -hmm. It's love Love. and respect. Love Mm -hmm. and respect. That's like, I think for me, those are the two biggest. As long as you show love and respect, you don't have to agree. 
But there's love and there's respect and there's respect for, you know, everything that comes with it. When you make a decision or you make a comment, it's not in that instant. It's usually everything that you've had or is going on around you that you've experienced through your life. So all that has to be valued at that time. Yes. Yes. That's so deep what you just mentioned, because a lot of the times we may think, uh, I feel heard and respected if you agree with my ideas, right? Then that's when we're seeing eye to eye. That's when we're aligned. But we don't need to be aligned. But only if you hear my perspective, that's enough for me to feel that you're hearing me. Deep, that deep li listening that we read about, right? What about what makes you feel included in our community? I know it's hard to believe, but I'm actually a pretty shy person and pretty reserved. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how she just had a trigger she warning knew, for us. Yes. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. But I think being included is just being given a small assignment. When I go into new places, when I go into new experiences or meeting new people, I like to sit back and watch, and I like to be an observer before I take action. But just acknowledging that I'm there and say, thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. Even though I may not speak during that meeting, I'm thinking, I'm processing. Yes. Just saying thank you for being here mm. is enough for me to feel included. Or if there's an assignment and they're like, okay, she doesn't really feel like being talking, but can you do this small tasks for us off on the side? Mm. Just saying thank you for being here, being given something that makes me feel comfortable. Don't, if I'm in a new place, please do not ask me to go up and speak in front of everybody yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll hand out badges. <laughs> I'll say, did you sign in? Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, yes. So just acknowledge your presence. Yes. That's, that's enough. That's, and that's so important even for our students. You know, a lot of the times we, our, many of our students don't feel like they need the praise and the clapping. Hey, you're here. Just... Thank you for being here. And, and I love what you're saying because that's as simple as we can keep it. Right. I acknowledge you. I see you. I know the sacrifice that happened for you to be here. All of the work. Some of our students walk. Some of our students, you know, just go through so much just to be in that chair at 8 in the morning. And it's the same thing with you. Like, think about everything that had to happen to be in a conference in that room, wherever you may be. So mm -hmm. just acknowledge my presence right right see where where i grew up we i mean even in my elementary school i remember there was times where it was like a quick drop like our our students were trained because we had a lot of drive-by shootings mm. so like you would be in the middle of the recess and everybody would just drop because we knew the drill mm. so you know that doesn't make you feel safe right we walked out of our house one time and we're surrounded by the swat team because they were working on the house a few houses down that doesn't make you feel safe and i remember my algebra teacher in the ninth grade, and then again in the 11th grade, by sixth period, I was tired because, you know, the helicopters were out. You know, there was gunshots. There was police activity. And I would be tired, and I would fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Not once did he ask me why I was sleepy. Mm -hmm. His assumption would be, you don't care. So I was in um, ROP, was child care. So I would go to my home elementary school where I went to school and I would do a couple of hours there every morning. And I won an award. I was um, selected as a student of the year, my junior year. And I happened to be in his class when they came and said, um, we need Elizabeth Hernandez at the time. We need Elizabeth Hernandez. And he's like, oh, is she in trouble? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And the person that was picking me up was like, no, she got an award. 
He, wow. he laughed out loud. What? So that was his impression of me never asking, why are you so tired during mm. six period? No, I, I literally just got the chills, but it's so true. It's that bias that we talk about, right? You see somebody's behavior and then we assume the worst or the best of that person without really, really seeking to understand. And it goes back to what we were just talking about, being heard, being seen, being respected and included. Yes. Right? Um, okay, so this is perfect, perfect segue because one of the last questions that we wanted to ask you is, just, or more than anything, just describe your version of like a safe, a healthy community for you and your family. You know, I think I've had that. I think back to when I was a parent volunteer and I was working as a, not working, I was a, well, I was working PTO volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I remember that group of ladies were amazing like if i was stuck doing a grocery run and i was not going to make it in time to pick up my daughter they would pick her up make sure she was fed mm. and taken care of if anything we needed we had that core support and to this day we still have like a group we've had a few losses within our group for um, family members and we're all there for each other anything happens we unite mm -hmm. we check in on each other every so often we have our yearly christmas and even to this day I find it so comforting where if something's happening with my daughters or somebody can't get there to pick up their kids, one of us will, will hop on and make sure they're being taken care of. So for me, it's just that idea of counting on other people, but also being a support. You know, when, when you expect support, it's a huge responsibility because you are also responsible for the other community members. So I feel responsible. Like if I saw one of their kids who are now teenagers doing something inappropriate, I feel like it would be my responsibility to intervene advise mm -hmm. tell you know my friends mm -hmm. it would be hard but i really feel like being part of a community has such high levels of responsibility and obligation for us to be active community members that support and take care of each other mm -hmm. girlfriend it's like i just I'm, I'm i what you mentioned is exactly what i'm reading in this book called and i highly recommend it because it's aligned so well with what you just mentioned um it's called find your people it's <laughs> brand new brand brand new just released 2022 beautiful book you'll find it on amazon but everything you just mentioned that's what she talks about the author is you have those people that you can count on for this specific thing for this specific yes. thing and her thing is a lot of the times the way our current context may push those people away but we need to really recognize that we are we all really need each other exactly how you're saying and so how beautiful that you see that that's the version of of for you that's a version of a safe healthy community and really that is the core and then this uh this author she talks about how even our ancestors that's how we used to live and there are communities still in in the world that don't have doors they they just anybody can walk in and be fed by the neighbor and This still happens, but we are living in this society where we just want to be locked away and have a personal, very individualistic lifestyle that we don't we don't allow anyone to come in and we don't really want to go out, you know? Right. My house is like the place my, my oldest had a Friendsgiving and we had like 
13 teenagers there and they were so comfortable and relaxed every Monday every Friday I have kids over and whenever they want like I I like that my house is that comfortable setting and the moms text me and you know how are they doing I'll send the moms pictures this is what they're doing they're all sitting around watching tv doing nothing mm. <laughs> love, love. And, and being safe right and being safe <laughs> yes because yes. I may not be all intrusive but I got an ear and an eye on them at all times that's right <laughs> you're like I don't need to be reading the cell phones to know what they're thinking mm -hmm. I just read their minds yes I'm like oh I saw that eye <laughs> love it and i love that you are that person that doesn't mind having so many people in your house that's we need more of you girlfriend <laughs> well the final and the million dollar question liz what is your message to the world my message to the world is to have love and respect for everyone and everything i i you know If you have love and respect, I said it earlier, those are two of the most important things. We know when I had my classroom, my only rule was be respectful. That like embodies everything. And for me, having respect is val showing value. It's um, giving other people their place. It's respecting their belongings. It's respecting who they are. It's respecting their experiences, respecting everything about them. And I think if you just have love and respect, we would have communities and a community where everybody would feel valued, included, respected, heard, and seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love and respect. That's it. Liz has Perfect. said it. Yes, we appreciate you so much, Liz, for making the time here with us today. And thank you for your wisdom. Uh, we will forever be grateful for you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, so you. thank you. Thank you. And a huge thank you to all of our listeners for opening your hearts and your minds to our Mindful Conversations Matter podcast. We challenge you to continue these conversations with your family and friends. And please reflect on ways you can impact the world one conversation and one act at a time. Until next time. Peace. peace.